This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Simonon's Maigret, a series of plays based on the novels of Georges Simonon. No, Georges, I haven't told you about the José case. Why not, Jules? Well, there are several cases I haven't told you about for... Um... Oh, personal reasons. For the part I played in them. And one of them was the José case. Here's the file on it. Which suggests to me that you're going to tell me about it now. That's right. But why now? It happened over four years ago, didn't it? Because it disturbed me then, and it continues to disturb me. And secondly, because of something that happened in my office a couple of days ago. Made me wonder more than ever about the outcome of the trial. Maurice Denham as Jules Maigret and Michael Goff as Georges Simonon in Maigret Has Doubts, translated by Lynn Moyer and adapted to radio by Edward Bruce. José presented himself at the Otoy police station at 2.30 in the morning, as you say, about four years ago. I've forgotten the exact date, but you'll find it in the file. Mm -hmm. And announced that his wife had been murdered. And I first heard of it on my way to work. Terrible murder in Otay. Terrible murder in Otay. Oh, morning, Chief Inspector. Good morning, Pierre. Christine Jose murdered. Read all about it. Christine Jose. Oh, you knew her? Well, I knew of her. Give me a paper. You in charge, Inspector? Nice one, this. Throat cut. Oh, it's the husband done it, I reckon. Wealthy woman found dead with her throat cut. Well, must you be so specific? Sells papers. Christine Jose found dead. Wealthy woman found with throat cut. Read all about it. At the Cadiz Orfeve, I found that José had been sent from Otoy for questioning. He was brought into my office. By this time, it was after 11. I ordered sandwiches and beer. I knew it was going to be a long session. I'm sorry that you should be questioned at such a time, monsieur, but it is necessary. Now, Inspector Janvier here would take down all you say. He'll be given a copy of it. And if you consider it accurate, I shall ask you to sign it. Are you ready, Jean? Yes, Chief. All right. And let me start with the usual questions. Identity. Surname, Christian names, profession. Adrien Josset, aged 40. I'm a pharmacist, head of the firm of Virieux and Josset. I was born in the Aero region. And when did you come to Paris? About 15 years ago. I worked first in various jobs as a locum in chemist shops. You were um, ambitious? Is that why you came to Paris? Not particularly. Paris seemed to offer better opportunities than a provincial town. Is all this necessary? Well, every detail has some importance. Oh, I see. You're trying to find out what kind of person I am. 
Well, let me tell you, Chief Inspector, I'm a very ordinary person. No better, no worse than any other. And certainly ordinary in the eyes of Christine and her friends. No, why was that, do you think? No, I was a provincial. Christine was a sophisticated Parisienne. I've not always been accepted by her circle. Mm, how did you come to meet her? I was working at one of the fashionable shops in the Faubourg Saint-Honoré. She was one of our best customers. She was a widow. And very wealthy, I understand. Very. When did you get married? Oh, you've missed a point, Chief Inspector. Hmm? I became her lover first, although I wasn't the only one. She had other lovers? Certainly. We often quarrelled about them, but she'd always led a very free life. How long before you got married? About three years. We... I suppose you'll find this a rather ridiculous statement, but gradually we fell in love. I understood her, and she seemed to need me, at least for the first few years of our marriage. But once married to her, I couldn't go on working at a chemist shop. So she bought out a small chemical laboratory and put me in charge, José and Villiers. Later, she gave me a full partnership. You sound bitter about it. Well, of course I am. You're thinking like our friends, that I was a gigolo, that I married her for her money. Well, that isn't true. I worked hard. I made something of that firm. It was nothing when I started to manage it. Now it's one of the best known in Paris. Why am I being questioned like this anyway? I went to the police. I told them what I'd found. Now, please, monsieur, calm yourself. Sit down. Now, would you like a sandwich? Beer? I need a... I need a brandy. Perhaps I could oblige. Keep some in my office for special occasion. Uh, Jean Vier, uh, brandy for Monsieur José. Yes, of course. Look, let's get it straight. Strange as it may seem, I loved my wife, even though I knew she was a tramp. And she stopped taking lovers for the first few years of our marriage. We lived happily together for nearly ten years, no matter what her faults or mine. And for the last five years? Well, no. We, we fell into a moderately uh, comfortable acceptance of each other's behaviour. She took more lovers, her protégé, as she called them. We even discussed them. I slept with her occasionally. Not often, and... You took a mistress? Your brandy, monsieur. Oh, thank you. Well, yes. Is, is that surprising? Asante. Asante. She, Do you drink a lot? Oh, yes. It appears you drank a lot last night. Not as much as Christine. She'd become an alcoholic. Her loyal friends wouldn't admit that. Although Christine was careful, so perhaps they didn't know. During the last few years, she's often slept into the afternoons, but when she woke up, she couldn't function without spirits. And sometimes, drugs. I'd like to know more about your mistress. What's her name? Annette Touche, my secretary. We've been lovers for about a year. She has a little flat in the Rue Colancourt. Do you pay for its upkeep? Not entirely. Let's say I subsidise it. And how often do you go there? Once or twice a week. She prepares a meal. It's more intimate. We rarely eat out. It's a pleasant flat. Geraniums in the window boxes. And... As a matter of fact, I was there yesterday evening. Mm, we'll come to what you did yesterday in a moment. Now, is Mademoiselle Duchet a Paris girl? No. She comes from Fontenay-le-Comte. Her father is head clerk uh, to the sous-prefecture there. Although he wasn't doing his job yesterday. He came to the Rue Colincourt while I was there. Oh? Why? Because he just found out about my affair with his daughter. Annette was only 20, so I suppose. Well, anyway, he was, he was very upset and surprisingly quite drunk. Annette tells me he rarely drinks. Had you ever met him before? No. There was quite a scene in the flat. He wanted to know what I was going to do about it. I tried to placate him. 
Well, it was difficult. He was so drunk, almost incoherent. Then he asked if my wife knew about it, and when I said yes, he asked me if I was going to divorce her. I must admit I said yes without really thinking. You mean you didn't really want to divorce? It's difficult to answer that question. If I was less tired, I, I could explain more clearly. But I want you to know I'm trying to help you in every way I can. Perhaps I had, during the year with Annette, considered a divorce, but not seriously. I was happy the way things were. I think I only wanted to pacify the old man. Now, you said your wife knew about your affair. Oh, yes. By this time, we never hid anything from each other. How did she react? With contempt. She'd met Annette in my office, and later she asked, Oh, and how is the little girl? Not uh, pregnant yet. What will you do when that happens? Will you ask for a divorce? No, excuse me. Uh, Magra. Dr. Paul, I thought you'd like a preliminary report. I sent you the final one when we finished checking. Good, thanks. There are 21 wounds inflicted by a sharp instrument, so sharp that the head was almost severed from the body. Uh, she'd not eaten. Uh, time of death, somewhere between 10 and 1. Oh, well, can't you be more precise? Not at the moment. Round 11 seems probable, however. One more detail which which might interest you. She'd had sexual intercourse a few hours before her death. Uh, thank you, Doctor. You've been very helpful. I'll be in touch. Oh, sorry about that interruption. Now, where were we? I'm damned if I know. You've treated everything I've said with mistrust and suspicion. No, that is not true. Look, the only thing clear to me is that I'm being questioned as if I were a guilty man. I'll tell you something. Just being here is beginning to make me feel guilty. Every time I open my mouth, I, I seem to be building up some motive for killing Christine. And I did not kill her. Monsieur, I'm trying. <clears throat> Monsieur, you must calm down for your own sake. Must? Must? Haven't I the right to behave like a normal human being to protect myself? Oh, God. I've hardly slept all night. I don't know what I'm saying. I've got... Now, to... please, Monsieur... Yes, what is it, Maigret speaking? Camelio here. Has he confessed? Now, monsieur, I'm very busy. Has he confessed? Look, this is a very complex situation. The interrogation is in progress. Does he deny it? I haven't got that far. Then you should read the papers. I want you to come to my office straight away. But I'm... But straight away. I seem to be ahead of your interrogation. Now, Maigret, take a look at that. The midday edition. Look at it. Double life of Adrien Josse. A violent scene in Love Nest in the Rue Coulancourt. Yes, I know about that. Mm, you didn't say that on the phone. I didn't have the chance to, sir. The press seemed to be more on the ball than you. How did they get the story so quickly? It seems Anna Duche's concierge phoned the editorial office of Le Monde. Hmm? I wonder why. Wonder what? Why the concierge phoned? Oh, I can't see that it matters. Well, it may have an importance. I don't understand you, Magray. You should know that we deal in fact. That's our job. And we have facts. You just said so. The story is true. So don't you think Josse should be arrested? No, I think it's too early. I'd like to finish my interrogation before I finally make up my mind. Oh, well, get on with it. And don't waste any more time. Yes, sir. You've met Camelio, haven't you, Georges? One of your examining magistrates? Mm. Yes. An impatient man, his moustaches tremble. <laughs> I hadn't noticed. Hmm. Now, he's often called my dear enemy. He's not a bad man, but, as you say, impatient. A fact to him is a fact. 
and he'll act on it. But you like to consider what lies behind a fact. Hmm? Yes. Yes, I do. Anyway, I was in a temper that morning. When I went out of his office, I banged the door so hard that I nearly broke the glass. <laughs> Not for the first time. But, to be fair to him, I was more in a temper with myself, because I didn't think I'd handled my interrogation of Jossé very well. And you'd missed your lunch. Oh, yes. <laughs> Louise had prepared me champignon à la grecque and escalope de veau à la viennoise. Much better for you than beer and sandwiches from the Brasserie Dauphine. You're overweight, Jules. Oh, you're not sylph like yourself. <laughs> anyway, I went back to my office. Now, let's go over your movements from late yesterday evening, monsieur. All right. Well, uh, I left the office with Annette about six. We bought some food for the evening meal. Then we went to the Rue Colancourt. At about eight o'clock, I had my confrontation with her father, as you already know. We were halfway through our meal when he arrived. After our altercation, funny thing, we, we finished drinking each other's health with the remainder of the champagne. And then? I left early. I was upset. After my promise to André Duchet to marry Annette, I felt I'd betrayed Christine. Even though our life together wasn't idyllic, there was something about Christine that still excited me. Annette isn't the same as Christine is. Was. I wish I could explain. She was the first woman I'd ever known deeply and, and intimately. It's something I can never forget. Your first real passionate love. Have you, Chief Inspector? Have you? Would it be possible for me to uh, have another brandy? Mm, sure, Jean-Vier. Chief. Uh, would you like a sandwich? Uh, I, I couldn't eat anything. Uh, do you mind if I do? <laughs> no. Your drink, monsieur. Thank you. Do you get an allowance for supplying brandy to, uh, uh, to suspects? Mm, it's my pleasure. Well, go on. You left Rue Collingor. I wandered from bar to bar for an hour or so. The select double scotch an English bar, and the Café Robert. Well, you can check. I'm known there. I drink too much. I, I was getting maudlin. Thought about Christine. Knew she'd never give me a divorce. She used to say, as long as I have my money, I can buy friends. Money. <laughs> oh, another damaging remark. You'll find I will inherit her estate. Despite what I've said about her, there was good and bad enough. We understood each other. Oh. That's potent brandy, Chief Inspector, or is it that I'm a quick drunk? I drank an awful lot last night. You don't want any food? No, no. no thank you. All right, then. I got back to the Roulopere. Oh, that's where I live. I know. At about five past ten. Uh, Georges, have a look at the appendix to the interrogation. I made a summary of Jossé's movements until he presented himself to the police at Etoy. Yes, that's it. Back at 10.5, Christine's car parked outside, realised that she was at home, went into lounge, poured another drink, sat down in armchair and... Went to sleep. You mean passed out? Not surprising, considering the amount of liquor he'd consumed. 
Woke some time later. Says next few hours like a nightmare. Went upstairs, opened Christine's door. They slept in different rooms. Yes. Opened Christine's door and discovered body. Time about midnight, according to Jose. She. She was half out of her bed. Her head hanging down onto a fur rug. There was blood everywhere. God, I've never seen anything so. So. What happened next? I went into the bathroom and vomited. Your men should find traces of it. As to why I vomited, I suppose you'll draw your own conclusions. Does a murderer vomit after he's committed a crime like this? I don't know. And then? I washed my face and shaved. Shaved? I'd begun to panic. My first reaction was to go away, to catch a plane from Orly Airport. I travel a lot. I'm quite well known there. I thought I should make myself presentable. I've always dressed well. Even in my early days in Paris, I spent more on clothes than on food. For a provincial, I had a certain style. I suppose that was one of the reasons why Christine first took me up. I was a presentable escort, almost good enough for her society friends. Didn't you think of phoning the police? Yes. I even went to the phone. But I didn't... I didn't ring. Why not? I... I'm not sure... It was the words, I'd have to say, I suppose. Someone has killed my wife. I wasn't thinking clearly. I was still half drunk. And afraid. Well, of course, I told you, I was most dreadfully murdered. Yes, I see you do understand. You've grown quite pale, Chief Inspector. May we go on? You decided to catch a plane at Orly? Yes. But there was a complication. I didn't have much money on me. But there was about 30,000 francs in the safe in my office. Then I thought of my wife's jewels, the ones she kept into the house. They were worth quite a lot. They were in her bedroom. And you didn't want to go back in there? Well, of course I didn't. And did you go? Yes. I'd left the light on in there when I went to the bathroom. But I switched it off first, then I almost ran to her dressing table, snatched up the jewels that were lying on it, and then I went downstairs, let myself out of the house. Did you take a taxi? Yes, I caught one round the corner. I thought it would be unwise to use my own car. But I went to my office and let myself in. What time was this? Well, I had no idea then. Thinking back, it must have been about midnight. And then? I took the money from the safe, then I sat down. I was numb, still in a state of shock. I'd had little time to think. That's when I began to realise that going to Orly Airport would be a futile thing to do. So I put the money back into the safe. Did you go back to your house then? No. By this time I needed a drink. There was a bar open near my office. They may remember me coming in. I had a large whisky. Then I went back home. Mm, an important little detail we'll check. Oh, I'm bloody sure you will. And when you got back, did you return the jewels to your wife's dressing table? Yes, yes. Your men will find my fingerprints all over them. And you still didn't call the police? What did you do then? I went out again, wandered about the streets. 
Blair. I don't remember. Oh, yes. Yes, I, I do remember finding myself on the Pont Mirabeau. But I don't remember how I got there. Mm. And finally, you walked to the Utoy police station, arriving there at 2.30. Oh, or was that the time? I don't know. Maigret. Cormelieu. Has he confessed? No, he still denies it. I'd like to see you in my office. Look, there are other things I could be doing. Chief Inspector, I would like you to come to my office at once, please. Well, as quickly as I can, sir. Well, that's all for now, Monsieur José. Sorry it's taken so long. Inspector Jean Vier will bring you a typed statement. Read it, and if you think it accurate, I'd be pleased if you'd sign it. And if there's anything you want, just ask the inspector for it. On the way to Comelio, I wandered into the inspector's office. Lapointe had just got back from José's house, where he'd been questioning the maid, and Madame Siran, the housekeeper. He was typing out his report. How did you get on, Lapointe? Well, has he told you about the dagger? Hmm? What dagger? Ah, you don't know. Well, this should interest you. When I was questioning Madame Siran in José's study, I saw that she was looking for something, although she tried to hide it from me. I asked her what she was looking for. She said nothing at first, but she finally admitted that she was wondering what had happened to the dagger. What kind of dagger? German. One of those commando knives that people sometimes keep as a souvenir. Well, she said it was usually on José's desk. He used it as a letter opener. But it wasn't there. No. I searched the house from top to bottom. There was no sign of it. I thought it could be the murder weapon. A dagger of that type could be pretty lethal, couldn't it, sir? If it was an old commando knife, I think you're safe in making that assumption, my boy. Uh, is there anything wrong, Chief? Look, I've had to forego an excellent lunch, and our respected examining magistrate is driving me up the wall. Otherwise, I'm my normal, calm self. Look at that smirk of your face. I prefer your look of ingenuous innocence. Yes, sir. And let me have your report as soon as you've touched it out. Why are you so reluctant to come to a conclusion? Am I? It's simply that I'd prefer to be sure. I will admit that José seems over-anxious to justify his statements, to be precise and truthful, but... But what? What, what, what? There's still a lot to check. Oh, for God's sake, Maigret, look at the facts. José promised that he would divorce his wife. That means he would have to give up his wealth and position, lose his share in his firm. And this loveness... Not a cheap newspaper headline. Aren't you prejudging the case, condemning the man on moral grounds? Oh, absolute nonsense. We have here an unscrupulous man who took advantage of a vulnerable, wealthy woman and then took a mistress. It's a classic situation which often leads to tragedy. You've never understood these people, Maigret. This society, I do. Four or five of my friends who know José and his wife have been on the phone to me. Are they against him? Oh, they know what he is, an interloper, an intruder. And were they José's friends also? I didn't say that. I said that they were my friends, and I respect their opinion. <sighs> Rather tenuous grounds for a charge of murder, don't you think so? Oh, really, Maigret. Look, I said before I'd like to finish my interrogation before you take any action. All right. I'll wait until your final report before his committal. But you may take it. 
but my mind is made up. From the look on your face, it looks as if I'm going to be arrested. I think so. It was inevitable. I knew all along I should have gone to the airport. Well, that wouldn't have done you any good. Monsieur, why didn't you tell me about the dagger? What have you done with it? Oh. Yes, I... I should have told you. Mm. You threw it into the Seine from the Pont Mirabeau, didn't you? Well, they found it. Not yet. I've only just heard about it. Tomorrow the divers will go down. Did you kill your wife? No. Then why did you go to the trouble of disposing of the dagger by throwing it into the Seine? Because if it had been found in the house, it... I don't know. It could have been used to kill Christine. It was in my bedroom when I got home. I don't know how it got there. I suppose I took it there for some reason or other. I don't remember. If the police had found it, I, I couldn't think what I would say to them. I, I know it's irrational. Were but there I... any blood stains on it? No. Well, then why? Well, because if the dagger had been used, the murderer would have cleaned the weapon, wouldn't he? So you see, if I'd killed her, I would have cleaned it. Well, that's what the police would have thought. That's why I threw it into the same. Nobody would have believed me. I didn't get away from the Cades of until 6.30 that night. On the way home, I decided to go to the Rue Colincourt to see what kind of woman Annette Duchet was and to verify Josse's story. Somehow, he'd given me the impression that the whole affair with her was a romantic one. Geraniums in the window, tete-a-tete meals, candlelight... What I found was disappointing in a way. She turned out to be a very ordinary girl, who, although she'd obviously been crying, seemed hardly upset that her lover was facing a charge of murder. What about the geraniums? They were half dead. (laughs) She confirmed the quarrel with her father. In fact, everything that Chasse had told me. One new fact that I didn't know was that her father had been drinking at the bar opposite before he came to the flat. I was thirsty. I thought it worth a visit. Yes, I remember him well. A thin, gaunt man. Wasn't a drinker. A sick man, if you ask me. Hey, wait a minute. You're Chief Inspector Magri, aren't you? Yes. So, uh, that pharmacist has confessed, has he? I didn't say anything about a pharmacist. Oh, you don't have to. I've read about it. He used to come in here with that girl quite often. I've had my eyes on him for quite a while. Bloody terrible, I call it. A mistress like that. Uh, Very interesting, but I'm more interested in your customer. Was he angry in a temper? No, he was very quiet. Anything else you can tell me about him? No, I'd never seen him before or since. You didn't get far with that interview. No routine, necessary legwork. I didn't get home until nearly ten. Louise warmed up the escallop. Needless to say, it was overcooked. I've got a very good recipe for escalope with sultanas and red wine. I'll Mm. let Louise have it sometime. Mm, Thanks. Well, I was late to bed that night. I sat up smoking, going over what Jose had told me, looking for any flaw in his statement. Still a lot of checking to do. What worried me most was that he'd told me, or so it seemed at that time, the exact truth about his movements... Yet he'd lied about the dagger. He doesn't seem to have lied, Jules. Wasn't it more a rather silly omission? You couldn't blame him for that. A frightened man, a weak man. 
I wonder what I would have done in similar circumstances. Well, in ten minutes, with your dexterous brain, you'd have persuaded your interrogator that he'd done it himself. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I had to consider was that José seemed to have told the truth about all his movements outside the house. But what happened inside between ten five and about 11.30? We only had José's statement, no witnesses. Since Christine died after ten, could anybody else have got into the house unnoticed while he was allegedly sleeping? Could they? Undoubtedly. It was something I checked up on the next morning. It's solidly built, heavy oak doors. The lounge room leads from the hallway, which in turn leads to the first floor. Now, if the door was closed, an intruder could have got up to Christine's room without being heard. But also, an intruder wouldn't have been aware that Chaucer was asleep in an armchair. What next? Cornelio didn't make a committal for another three days. He waited for my final report, which simply verified Jose's statements. He considered there was enough circumstantial evidence for an arrest, and strong motives for murder. When he did make up his mind, Jose was taken from the Quai des Orfèvres in handcuffs. Handcuffs? Mm. The man had come to the police station of his own accord. Uh, <laughs> Cornelio loves his publicity. Handcuffed, José made a better picture for the press. Now, the following morning, I got a nasty shock. And again, I didn't hear about it until I was on my way to my office. Second victim in José case! Second victim in José case! André Duchesne suicides! Loveness sequel! Oh, stop yelling, Pierre. Give me a paper. You mean you don't know about it, Jules? Look, you're asking for a clip on the ear. Huh? No, Chief Inspector, I'm losing faith in you. I reckon José's for the chop. <laughs> Don't you, Jules? Go and sell your paper, or I'll run you in for vagrancy. Love their sequel. Death in Fontenay-le-Comte. I would have liked to go to Fontenay-le-Comte myself, but it wasn't possible. So I sent Jean-Bier instead. Ah, yes. This is his report. Hmm. Arrived Fontenay-le-Comte at 3.30. Question, Question several, several of the local inhabitants. André Duchet doesn't appear to have been a popular man, very reserved, but respected. Interviewed the local correspondent who sent in the report. Said Duchet most upset when he heard of the murder of Christine Jossé. Even more upset when Love Nest's story broke. Committed suicide on evening of Jossé's arrest. No evidence of foul play. Discovered in armchair, his own pistol fallen to the floor nearby. On his knee there was an open photograph album. Opened at a page showing wife in wedding dress. He was a widower, by the way. And early pictures of Annette Duchet. Suicide attributed to shock and sense of disgrace on finding his daughter involved in sensational murder. But I'm not so sure that was the sole reason for suicide. We'll, we'll stay, stay on, on for, on for a, couple a couple of days and nose about. about. Mm. The press had a field day after the report of Duchet's suicide. Dignified, lonely old widower shamed by daughter... But worse still, another victim in the José case. For José, that meant almost certain conviction. In the minds of the public, it was as if he had killed André Duchet with his own hands. Comelio was delighted with this new development. I don't understand. Why was Comelio so determined that José was guilty? I can see that there was a lot against him. The girl, his odd relationship with his wife, money, class... Was he guilty, Jules? No. Wait until I finish. You're my 
private jury. While I presented the evidence, you can decide for yourself. Now, you'll find another report from Janvier in the file. Uh, no, the next page. Uh, that's it. Andre Duchet had incurable cancer. Yes. You see what that means. What was the real reason for his suicide? Hmm, that's quite a question. I would say that he committed suicide because he had incurable cancer. And... And that his daughter's involvement with José was the catalyst that made him do it. Yes. Yes, you're probably right. Unfortunately, it wasn't the view held by the public or the press. To use a familiar cliché, they were crying out for blood. Public feeling was so against him. And the jury couldn't help but be prejudiced, no matter how unconsciously. Now, let me tell you about Maitre Lenin. I know quite a bit about him. I've seen him in the courts. He can be quite spectacular. Oh, he can, indeed. Quite the wrong man with this case, in my opinion. No, this one should have passed through the courts as quietly as possible. But Maitre Lenin had the capacity to attract attention, which was perhaps prejudicial to his client. You'll find some newspaper cuttings there. You'll see what I mean. Jose accuses. My God, the man had read his own. Yes, it was delivered at one of his press conferences. He was very fond of press conferences. Up to now, Adrien Jose. Who has been, as you know, accused wrongfully of the murder of his wife, has chivalrously kept silent on her private life and secret habits. <laughs> Be patient with me, gentlemen. It will be shown that many people could have killed Christine Josse. A stealthy intruder. One of her protégés, for example. But the general public has been so busy accusing my client that her private life has been ignored. You mean she had a lover? Not a lover, gentlemen. Lovers? That's putting it too simply. Let us say that she had never lived according to the bourgeois moral code. She was a wealthy woman. And she had what many of her friends described as her protégés. They were also likened to stallions belonging to a well-known owner. If I may be so crude, she had, as her less charitable friends designated it, her own private stud. It has been difficult for me to make that statement. But that was the situation. She took a great interest in unknown singers... Artists, painters, musicians, whom she collected from, if you'll excuse me, God knows where. She was enamoured of the lower classes. One of her protégés was a mechanic whom she took under her wing, but she dropped him in a week or two. Need I add that these young men, when she tired of them, did not always become resigned to obscurity. Question yourselves, as I have done. You will find that several unsavoury incidents occurred in the life of Christine Josse. Some of them violent. Can you give names? Oh, you know better than that, young man. I leave the naming of names to the magistrates. Now, that press conference was most ill-advised. It created sympathy for the murdered woman rather than sympathy for the accused. But why? Well, I think it had a lot to do with the personality of Maitre Renard who was more concerned with his own publicity than the defence of his client. And the press were violently against Josse. Why? 
there were more francs to be squeezed out of moral indignation. And that in itself was a byproduct of guilt there, but for the grace of God go I. I didn't realize you were such a cynic, Jules, and something of a philosopher. But why are you still worried about this case? I wonder if I might have done more for Chassé. Why? Do you think he was innocent? I don't know now. I didn't know then. When I first joined the force, when I was less experienced, I might have said I thought he was innocent. But now I've learned that anything, even the improbable, is possible. One thing I'm certain of, José was unlucky. First, we didn't find the dagger in the Seine, and it was implied that José was lying when he said he couldn't remember from which part of the bridge he'd thrown it. And then there were the anonymous letters. We got 53 altogether, and two of them, as you'll see, were very damaging. Hmm, yes. Chief Inspector Maigret, who thinks he's so clever, should question a certain Hortense Meletier in the Roulepique, who is a filthy abortionist. She had a visit from the Duché girl and her lover two months ago. Was this woman an abortionist? Yes. Did you find out who sent this note? Again, the concierge at the Rue Collincourt. She hated Annette Duché for some reason or other, or wanted to get her picture in the papers. I sent for Mademoiselle Duché. I didn't beat about the bush. Mademoiselle, you've recently had an abortion, is that correct? I su suppose I must answer that. It would be wise to. Yes, I did. Who was the abortionist? Um, Madame Maletier. Who gave you her address? Adrien. Well, I'm afraid I'll be instructed to arrest you. <laughs> and Madame Maletier as well. But you should get bail. I'm sorry, but there'll be no way of keeping it out of the press. Jose and mistress accused of second crime. Abortionist arrested. Annette Duche arrested. Read all about it. Jose accused. Second crime. With that revelation, public feeling reached its peak. It was difficult to find anyone who believed Jose was innocent. But there's that other anonymous letter I'd like you to read. Christine Josse liked low types. You will find a man called Popol at the Pas de la Lune in the Rue de Charron. She met him several times in a boarding house near the Saint-Martin Canal. Although she gave him money and bought him clothes, that didn't stop him beating her up. She was heard screaming several times. Josse doesn't deserve to be found guilty... He should have cut her throat years ago. Well, one person with sympathy for José. Uh, Did you find out anything? No, I went to the Bar de la Lune myself. It was a meeting place for a bunch of very unsavory characters. Not a word could I get out of them. They said they'd never heard of a papal. But I'm sure they had. Their answers were too casual, too innocent. Got no further at the boarding house. A very seedy establishment. And finally came the trial. You'll remember the outcome. José found guilty of killing his wife with premeditation. And there were no extenuating circumstances. He looked dreadful in the court. Must have lost three stone while waiting trial. He appealed. His appeal was turned down. And so, of course...
You've given me the impression that you think José was innocent. Oh, have I? I hadn't meant to do that. I wanted an objective assessment. I still don't understand why you're telling me about José now. The last page in that file is missing, if indeed it belongs there. Now, last week I was questioning a man called Dupont, a drug pusher. <laughs> you might call him one of our regular clients. Oh, come off it, Dupont. You're no more a sailor than I'm your uncle. Well, I've been to South America on cargo boats. You know, Venezuela, for example. Well, when were you last at sea? Oh, about four years ago, not long after the Jose case. The Jose case? <laughs> your ears are flapping. I thought they might. I know something about it, so it might interest you. What? There's a bit of info I intend to sell. Oh, you know that's out of the question. No, 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 no not for money. For a favour. Well, I'm listening. Well, uh, I want you to go easy on my girlfriend. She don't know nothing about this drug charge, honest to God. I won't make any promises. Well, on this trip to Venezuela, I met a bloke in a bar one night called Pole. Uh, Pole, I think his name was. Uh, down on his luck. I bought him a few drinks. Well, by four o'clock he was well under the weather. He started to ramble, something like that. Oh, the big boys don't believe me when I say I chopped a woman in Paris. Real bitch she was. She had diamonds dripping from her. They used to give me a handout for favours received, and then she ditched me. Then, then he went real funny after that and said, Some things I... I just can't take. And I... I... <laughs> oh, if the boys only knew. You ever heard of the... Jose case? Then he gave a bit of a smirk and passed out. That's best as I can remember it. What did you say his name was? Mm, Poe. Something like that. He used to hang around the Bastille district when he was in Paris. In the Rue de Charonne? Oh, it could be. I, I, I don't remember. And could the man's name have been Papol? I don't remember that either. I'd had a skinful by then, too. Does it interest you? In a way, it does. I got in touch with the Venezuelan police, but they weren't helpful. Well, that's all, George. Is there any such person as Papal? I don't know. And if there was or is, was he angry enough, humiliated enough to murder Christine Josse? You get a lot of false confessions, don't you? Yes, for all kinds of reasons. Mostly cranks. Do you believe this Dupont? I don't know. I can't stop thinking about Josse. I suppose I told you about him because I want your assurance that we didn't execute an innocent man. Did we, George? In Maigre Has Doubts by Georges Simenon, translated by Lynn Moyer and adapted for radio by Edward Bruce, 
Maigret was played by Maurice Denham and Simonon by Michael Goff. Janvier, Sean Barrett, La Pointe, John Rye, The Newsboy and Maître Lenin, Robin Soames, José, Alan Rowe, Camelio, Richard Hampton, Pressman, Malcolm Edwards, Patron, David Strong, Dr. Paul, Geoffrey Siegel, Dupont, Bruce Beebe, and Annette, Nicolette McKenzie. The play was produced and directed by Christopher Venning.